Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to podcast two of Peter Rambles On. I said I'd never make it. Well, here we go. Episode two. Ooh, exciting. I thought I'd start with a, a few little items before we get into the bigger ones. Uh, the first one is tennis and golf. Um, can't say I'm a big tennis fan. Uh, not a big golf fan either. I played golf very badly years ago before my back went. Uh, good fun. I just wasn't any good at it. Um, but why do they have to be quiet, the audience? Why does the audience have to be quiet? I mean, how many times do you, you hear in tennis and you hear the, the referee saying, quiet, please? To me, I, I'm used to sports like football and, and soccer and, uh, you know, gridiron and stuff where people scream all through the 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 game um baseball is another one this thing about being quiet i mean top tennis players for example they're already getting heaps and heaps of cash for winning tournaments and yet the audience has to be quiet while they play their little shots and then do the little applause at the, after they win a point. Um, I can't see why. Wouldn't it be much more fun if you could scream and yell and cheer on like you do in football? I mean, imagine going to, to Wimbledon, for example, and and uh, I, I can't think of any English tennis players, but assume one of them got there and, and the audience would be, you know, singing songs like they do at the cricket and the and the the rugby and the soccer and uh, wouldn't that be more fun wouldn't that be exciting and and golf oh it'd be great to go to the golf and and follow someone and be able to try put them off with saying things just as they're swinging the club or uh, uh, just cheering them on generally and stuff wouldn't that make it a lot more fun to, to go watch? And even on TV, you know, this, this thing about everyone be quiet while he walks around and studies the ball and studies the position and then paces out how many things, or how many steps to the, the nearest tree or something and, and then picks up that bit of grass that they do and toss it in the air to see the way the wind's going. Nah, it's boring. It's like watching paint dry. It's, it's ridiculous. Get him out there. Get get the crowds. Okay, you know, fence them off from um, not so they're not too close. But let people have, be having a few beers and and be able to scream and yell and cheer on their favourite golfers and and try put off the golfers they don't like and stuff. I think it'd bring so much more element into the into the game, and it'd be a lot more fun trying to uh, watching on TV as well. Um, I grew up, my dad was a, a big golf fan. He used to play, when I was young, he used to play uh, like Saturday mornings for the at the local um, Royal Moorabbin Golf Course. It wasn't Royal, it was just Moorabbin Golf Course. It was just a, uh, a very small uh, golf course shoved in against the uh, Moorabbin Airport, which is you know, just where small planes come and go. And, Actually, it's, I think Moorabbin Airport is the busiest airport in the Southern Hemisphere. Something like that. 
Um, but anyway, back to golf. Uh, yeah, there's this. There was this little golf course, 18 holes, but squashed in nothing great. You know, the trees couldn't be over a certain height because of the uh, the airport next door to it. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it, but it was fun for, for me and my friends, you know, when I was growing up and going to high school and stuff, you know, 13, 14 type uh, age. Uh, we used to be able to ride our bikes to the, the golf course and, and play. It was always cheap and you could always get on because it wasn't that great. I mean, there's some fantastic golf courses not too far away from where I grew up. Um, Royal Melbourne, if you know golf, you'd know Royal Melbourne. It's one of the premier golf courses in the world, I'd, I'd say. Um, uh, I have never played on it, obviously. It's private. And the, uh, to the subs that you have to pay would be... Uh, more than I earn in about 10 years with my paychecks so um, yeah never played there but I did go to a few uh, tournaments I went to the Australian Open one one year there um, it was great fun I was only young it was great fun though walking around and, and seeing just how far these guys hit the ball and everything but then the, the novelty wore off and yeah if, if it was a lot more cheering and stuff it'd be a lot more fun but anyway um, what was I going to say? Yeah, once you realise that you're, you're not going to be a good golfer and the, the, the novelty sort of drives up pretty quick. Uh, I used to play with my mates. We used to try to put each other off all the time, you know, coughing just when someone's swinging to play their shot or uh, sneezing or yelling and stuff like that. And, um, anything we could do see the way we played it we weren't very good so we just had fun but anyway it's i'm rambling on as usual and i've never understood the the appeal of some golfers wearing funny pants uh why would you want to i mean some of them just look ridiculous uh, i i never thought what the attraction was to wearing you know stripes and all sorts of things it's just it's strange it's, it's maybe it's rich people like it or something I don't know but anyway um, next thing I'm going to talk about is uh, medication I'm going to try stay away from uh, the virus situation that's going around the world but what I want to talk about specifically is um, medication for like headaches uh, just you know over-the-counter pain medication uh, every now and again the makers bring out a, a new uh, box of pills with, and they always have uh, quicker acting or uh, you know dissolves faster and all this sort of stuff I always think well, why do they still sell the old stuff if this one's quicker acting or dissolves faster what why don't they just have replace the old stuff with that now? But they always seem to have the old ones as well. So you can buy the headache tablets that work in half an hour, or you can buy the new improved headache tablets that work in 15 minutes. 
probably slightly more money or something. I don't know. But it, it just seems kind of weird. It, you just, like, when they bring out a car, when the, the next year comes along, they don't bring out another model and still sold, sell the first model. I mean, you can get them, obviously, but, you know, they don't make them anymore. They're now making the newer model. But that's what the equivalent would be that you can turn up at the, the car sale yard and say, yeah, I, I want that car, but I want the one from three years ago, and and they have it there, brand new. I mean, it's just it's such a strange thing. But I'm I'm gonna be popping all over the place for um for today's podcast. Uh, I want to talk about um, radio stations, specifically commercial radio stations. Uh, in Australia, the radio stations all have uh, set playlists so they have like they might be their formula is say classic hits or hits of the 60s 70s and 80s or all this sort of stuff um but it means that say you've got a new band and they bring out an album now that everybody in the world says this is the greatest album ever released well 90% 90% of the radio stations in Australia won't play any of it for another 10 years at least. So it's never going to sell as big as what albums used to uh, years ago when they used to play new releases. And of course, if they somebody brings out an album that doesn't have any singles on it, then none of it gets played at all, apart from on public broadcasters like 3 R and and various other stations around the country. Uh, so certain albums might be the best album ever heard, but it won't get played until it's 10 years down the track and they can look back and say, wasn't this a great album? But they didn't release any singles, so we're not going to play any of it then either. So, yeah, it's, it is... I don't like this sort of radio station's... Um, the way they are in Australia at the moment. I'm not sure what they're like around the world, but we probably suffer from the fact that um, being a small country, we we don't have the variety that other countries like America or England and that do, Um, judging by the digital stations that I've seen uh, that you can get from around the world. Uh, So we have like a there's a couple radio stations where you might hear decent new stuff um, and they also will play alternative, um, heavy metal, you know, all sorts of music, not just uh, singles, top 40 singles and stuff like that. Uh, but then there's all these other radio stations that are still in a, a time warp, that are still playing you know, the best of uh, oh, Elton John, you know, from 20 years ago or something. And um, it's it's kind of sad that kids today won't have... Kids today. <coughs> oh, you made me laugh. <sighs> the kids today don't have that uh, that new music feel that, that we had as kids. So when I was 
say 17, 18 and uh, would put the radio on and or listen to music. It was all new stuff and, and live acts. You could go to see concerts, uh, uh, gigs I should say, uh, probably four or five nights a week if you had the money of course, although it was cheap. Um, but uh, these days not so much. Uh, most of the places that used to um, have gigs now are, are sort of trendy apartments or um, uh, trendy clubs and things like that. Very few uh, pubs that used to have the live acts that are still around today. So with the virus situation, obviously sports around the world are not being played. I thought I'd just talk a little bit about um, the Australian Football League very briefly. Uh, my team, St Kilda, is uh, 146 years ago it was formed. 146. 1873 it was actually formed. It was a foundation team of the then competition which was a VFA in 1877 and then became a foundation team of the VFL which is the first one was VFA that's Victorian Football Association and then that, there was another group that came along called the Victorian Football League uh, which went on for years to be the number one league in the country and then in 1990 became the Australian Football League uh, because it, the competition went uh, national um, so my team was one of the foundation teams. Uh, it's been around for 146 years. Uh, it's won one premiership in 1966. It's gone close a couple of times. Uh, unfortunately, it's won the most wooden spoons. Wooden spoons is when you come last. Uh, we've done that 27 times, and the next best is 13. So, if you look at competitions around the world, like the English Premier League, for example, you always see like the teams up the top of the ladder are always going to be Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, um, Tottenham, Hotspurs, Arsenal, all these sorts of clubs. Well, St Kilda would be the equivalent of like Preston or or somebody like that. They're uh, not a big numbers for our team as far as supporters go, but we're diehard supporters, as you have to be with a side that's won that many wooden spoons and and only one premiership in all that time. Um, we have a way of of things just not going right for us. We we're in a grand final. Uh, 2009 uh, scores were tied there was only a, uh, like a minute or two to go ball came loose one of the opposing players did a little toe poke with his foot it rolled past two St Kilda players straight to the opposition player who picked it up kicked it down and they got a goal and uh, that was pretty much the end of the game um so we lost that grand final. And then the following year, 
we were uh, a couple of goals down, not long to go, and then we just started playing awesome football and uh, we're running all over the side that we're playing against, Collingwood, and um, the ball was kicked down to our goals. Again, the, uh, it was we were one point behind and not very long to go. The ball was kicked down towards our goals. St Kilda player was, was in the lead for it. All the all they had to do was the ball just had to bounce reasonably. He would have grabbed it, run into an open goal, kicked the goal, and then the siren would have gone you know, a few seconds later. Uh, and of course, being St Kilda, the ball did a wobbly bounce that bounced away from the St Kilda player, uh, went through for a behind, scores were level, it was a tie. The siren went, it was a tie. So then, or up until then, um, when there was a tie, they came back the, the following week and played it again in the replay. And uh, unfortunately for us, uh, Collingwood were too good for the on the replay day and they won the grand final. Uh, and of course, the AFL changed the rules from then on. Or from, yeah, from then on, uh, they play extra time. If we had had extra time that day, we would have won because we were running all over Collingwood and they had no answer to how we were playing. So, I mean, that's just the way it goes for St Kilda. You know, if things could just go wrong, they do. But we still barrack for them and cheer them on and uh, put up with not much success. I mean, I was two years old when we won the Premiership. I haven't seen them win Premiership since. Um, but every competition has teams like that, I guess, that find way to lose when they should win and trade off players who then go on to win the, the most valuable player or the equivalent of that uh, the following year for the other club and the player we pick up either breaks down or, or doesn't play again or something you know, it's just the way it goes now I want to I'm really jumping all over the place today uh, I want to talk about Donald Trump um, yay no uh, I was just uh, looking through the Washington Post because um, I thought you know they keep a record of of how many um, misleading claims or false claims he has made throughout his uh uh, presidency and on April the 3rd this year it was his 1100th 1170th no 1170th day in office um, and the Washington Washington Post had uh, listed that he'd done 18,000 false or misleading claims in that time that's an average of more than 15 claims a day that's incredible. When you consider how the right-wing media uh, went berserk when Barack Obama one day wore a tan suit and it was like the end of the world. They wanted to impeach him and, and all sorts of rubbish. And yet Trump has been doing all these lies and misleading claims and things and not a peep out of the uh, Repub Republican Party and all these people that 
were uh, so against Barack Obama and stuff. It's it is crazy. But there's no point in going on about Trump for too long. Hopefully in November you'll get kicked out of office and we'll never hear of him again. Uh, let's jump now to TV. I don't think I covered TV last time, but I want to talk about a show called People Like Us. Now, there's, there have been a few different shows called that. I'm talking about the uh, British show that ran for two seasons way back in 1999 and 2001. Um... Briefly, uh, before there was The Office, there was People Like Us. It was a mockumentary, that's hard to say, in the style of docu-soap British reality television shows that were popular at the time that showed regular people and their regular lives. Um, It followed actors playing average citizens going about their days working or failing to do so with an inept interviewer in tow frequently getting sidetracked or becoming haplessly involved with his subjects. Uh, It's great, great show. Um, I've got a few bits that I thought I'd just put in here so you can uh, hear it. It's uh, the host or the interviewer is uh, Roy Mallard, that's his name in the show. Uh, We never actually see him but we hear his, uh, um, his questions and comments, and, and if you listen to these, uh, it's just great stuff. Uh, yeah, let's play a bit now. Um, the first one I'm going to play is a bit from uh, an episode called The Actor. It starred David Tennant, who was very young at the time, playing an out-of-work actor. So it was very good, and of course he went on to be Doctor Who and all sorts of stuff. So um, it's a great show. I'll play a bit here, and then I'll we'll come back and talk about something. Quarter to nine on Tuesday morning, and Rob Harker is on his way to his first job of the day in central London, a number of feet above his head. Whilst those around him are bound for jobs in offices, shops, or other offices, Rob's day may well take him to places he doesn't even know about yet, although equally it might not, in which case he doesn't know about that either. Rob is an actor, one of this country's small number of full-time professionals of both sexes. People talk about being a full-time actor, but of course there isn't really any such thing. Um, When you're working it's full-time, in fact it's much more than full-time, but most of the time you're not working, which in some ways is much harder work than working. But then what you have to remember is most actors talk rubbish most of the time. This morning he's on his way to a part of London known to many actors simply as Soho. Hello, Molinaire. Yeah, hi, it's Rob Harker. I really love that. It's a classic episode, that one, and David Tennant is just brilliant as the uh, out-of-work actor who really sucks at being an actor. But anyway, uh, and... uh, I've got another bit here I want to play from uh, another episode. Uh, this is about how bank loans work. Uh, it's pretty funny. Okay, look, let's make this very clear. Suppose, um, sp- okay, look, this pen holder belongs to Roy. Do you mind? No, of course not. Okay, now, he really wants to sell it for £20. And you. 20 quid? Well, it's just an A. No way. Um, it's just an example. It's an example, stupid. It's an example of a pen holder. And you two really want to buy a pen holder, but you don't happen to have £20 to hand. So. Happy little feet. Steve. Remember, this is just for the. What's this game anyway? Pardon? So, I agree to lend you the £20. I'm not- 
stupid, you know. No, so, of course you're not. I agree to lend no, you... What, what about £15? Pounds? Look, it doesn't really... More like £10. Steve, well, don't start. I, um, no, it's not the amount. Well, how about £12.50 as a reasonable sort of half? You just don't listen, do you? Ten would be fine, actually. Right, so good, excellent. So you've agreed on £10. That's £10 with the pen, so, you know... But, because, because you don't happen to have £10 to hand, um, I lend you... You haven't got a £10 note on you, Me? You? Um, I don't think I'm... I really need to get to a bank. Well, I mean, a bank. I mean, another different. Um, oh, a minute. Yes. Thanks. Um, don't mind you. Um, okay. Good. Right. Right. Okay, so, Stephen Kelly, I lend you the £10. Cheers. I'll take that. Shut up. And so now you can pay him. Yeah. Thank you. Right, so now you have your pen holder. But the point is, I only lent you that £10 because I know that the pen holder is worth at least that. See? Sorry. And that's my security whilst you pay the £10 back to me over a long period of time. Back to you? Yes, and that's basically how it works. Well, that can't be right. We haven't got it anymore. Yeah. We gave it straight to him for the pen holder. You told us to. Well, but... You uh, seem you need to get it off. He's got it all. No, well, no. F*** has. You've got to give it back to her now. Well, uh, no, I... No, look. Serves you right. I'm actually, no, the £10 was mine anyway. No, 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 no. It, well, it was, actually. No, look, Mr Mallard gave it to me for the purpose of this demonstration. I, I didn't give it to you, actually. Yes, you did. I lent it to you. Oh, I get it. So now you've got to give him his £10 back. Well, well, no, I mean, he's already got it back anyway. No, no, we gave him that. Yeah. Um, no, I lent that to you. Well, that's your look at. Yeah. You have to pay it back to me first. We can't. Are you fickle or something? I keep telling you, we give it to him. Uh, it, the... No, I think they're right. The, I'll tell you what, he's made a bit of a monkey out of all of us. No, I haven't. The, yeah. No, no, no. He's going to end up with 20 quid. We've got to use this f***ing pen on that we didn't even want. Yeah, and you end up looking stupid. Yeah. So I guess you you get the idea of what the show is like. People like us. Brilliant show. And for a book this episode, I thought I would do The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What is there, six? I think six of them supposed to be a trilogy, uh, ended up with five by Douglas Adams and one by someone else. Um, how do you describe it? Well, I think I'll let the book speak for itself. This is the story of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Perhaps the most remarkable, certainly the most successful book ever to come out of the great publishing corporations of Ursa Minor. More popular than the Celestial Home Care Omnibus, better selling than 53 more things to do in zero gravity, and more controversial than Ulan Kalufid's trilogy of philosophical blockbusters, Where God Went Wrong, Some More of God's Greatest Mistakes, and Who Is This God Person Anyway? And in many of the more relaxed civilizations on the outer eastern rim of the galaxy, the Hitchhiker's Guide has already supplanted the great Encyclopedia Galactica as the standard repository of all knowledge and wisdom, because although it has many omissions, contains much that is apocryphal, or at least wildly inaccurate, it scores over the older, more pedestrian work in two important ways. First, it is slightly cheaper, and second, it has the words, Don't Panic, inscribed in large, friendly letters on the cover. I could quite easily just sit here and listen to the rest of that recording. It's a, it's a very funny book. I've read them and read them and read them and I still, still laugh. Okay, well, I think that's enough for tonight. I've uh, rambled on and uh, rambled on and rambled on, but... Uh, 
oh well, that's the name of the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed it and I'll uh, catch you again if I do another one.